Generally, the best you can hope for in a middle school talent show is that you don't completely embarrass yourself. But Ella Maria Lanny Yellick O'Connor achieved much more than that. She and her friend Louis McDonald won the Belmont Intermediate School Talent Show as a duo in 2009. Later that year, they made a guest appearance on Jim Mora's Afternoon Show on Radio New Zealand, where they performed a couple of cover songs for listeners. McDonald's father then sent recordings of some of the duo's covers to Universal Music Group A&R man Scott McLaughlin. For Yellick O'Connor, this signaled the rocky start of her career under the stage name Lord. McLaughlin attempted to pair with Lord. McLaughlin attempted to pair Lord with several different producers and songwriters, but no results came of these partnerships. It was December 2011 when a successful partnership formed. McLaughlin brought on Joe Little, a New Zealand songwriter, record producer, and member of the pop punk band Goodnight Nurse. In July 2012, Lord wrote the lyrics to what would become her breakthrough song in half an hour at her home. The song criticizes American pop music's artist's obsession with extravagance. Lord said, What really got me is this ridiculous, unrelatable, unattainable opulence that runs throughout. Lana Del Rey is always singing about being in the Hamptons or driving her Bugatti Veyron or whatever. And at the time, me and my friends were at some house party worrying about how to get home because we couldn't afford a cab. This is our reality. If I write songs about anything else, then I'm not writing anything that's real. Lord and Little produced the song and several others in a week at Golden Age Studio in Auckland. These would make up her first EP, The Love Club, which was successful in New Zealand and Australia. The rest of the world did not become aware of Lord until the debut of her album, Pure Heroine, in 2013. The single skyrocketed to success, hitting number one in Canada, the UK, and New Zealand. It eventually took the top of the Billboard Hot 100 and stayed there for nine weeks. Financial and critical acclaim followed Lord thanks to the single, which won awards for Song of the Year and Best Solo Pop Performance at the 2014 Grammy Awards. The single is also credited with opening the door for more minimalist arrangements in pop music. With a title inspired by a Kansas City baseball team, Lord's number one single has given her enough wealth and acclaim to feasibly become actual royalty. That's right, we're talking Royals by Lord on Cover Me. And we'll never be royals. That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one is proud of its address. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my gold-toothed co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Mouthful of teeth on this one, and they're all shiny. They're all shiny. You know, my mother actually has a gold tooth. I my parents not gold but like all the old stuff. I think they used to have like mercury in it. Maybe I'm making that up. Mm. My parents have a lot of fillings. Is the point? Okay, yeah. It's just a it's just a sign of the times, you know. I probably have like aunts and uncles with gold teeth, if they even still have their teeth. Yeah. If they even still have their teeth, are your aunts and uncles that old? Damn. Um, like. 60s, 70s. Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's well, they're not losing their teeth necessarily because they're old. Because like we'll probably keep our teeth longer, but just like they didn't like they didn't brush their teeth because that wasn't what you did back then. So like they lost their teeth at 30. Damn, dude, or that's crazy. Or <laughs> yeah, I well, my dental hygienist told me a story. She said like I think it was her grandfather was like, why why do people even clean teeth? And she's like, this is my profession. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was just, like, what happened back then? You just lost your teeth, and then when you were done, you get false teeth. 
Yeah, I guess. It's just, just the circle of life. Circle of... I guess more well, just a straight well, line. It's not like the teeth come back. Yeah. Unless you're, like, royalty or something. Am I right? Alex, Lord. Lord. We're not talking about Christ, even though it is Easter it while is we're Easter. recording. It is Easter Sunday. Um, I'm talking about Lord with an E. And, uh, yeah, I don't have much... I won't claim to have much history with Lord. Um, I just... Like, Bruce Springsteen covered this song, and I was like, hey, like, it's a song I remember from when it came out a couple years back. Or it seemed like a couple years back. It was like eight years years ago. Hey, Alex. Ten years since we graduated the high school. Yeah. Just about, anyway. Yeah. Um, And this came out a couple years after that. 2013. Yeah, I don't know. This is still Still in the peak of my disliking pop music. I mean, I still kind of dislike pop music. I was still in there. I was still in the thick of it. Um, Yeah, right in the thick of it where I thought it was a battle I had to fight. Yeah. But, like, heard it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. because it was pretty popular for a while. And at the time, I think I was listening to the radio more, or I don't know, I was in a position where I listened to the radio more, I guess. Right. So, like, for I've me, it was always uh, Calgary Stampede, since I'd worked that every year. Yeah, like, All the popular music it. that I'd heard about throughout the rest of the year, I would then actually hear oh, yeah, during Stampede. Yeah. Um, my only other knowledge of lord is there was a uh tribute performance i i want to say it was like the brit awards or something for david bowie back in 2016 and she sang life on mars how did i know it was going to be life on mars it's possible i just remembered the event happening but possible it's possible i've talked about it before possible as well so that's kind of my other exposure to lord but yeah it's not like, and i mean the image of lord like staring at the camera in this music video for some reason that's one i'm familiar with as well mm. i i don't necessarily know why yeah i don't know i don't know why that would stick with you i found it we'll talk about it i think it's an unnecessary part of that video having her stare at the camera but first alex we're gonna talk about these lyrics let's get into it let's just let's just start talking about words and what they mean now, Alex, you, of course, have the Genius page open, and I know you love to read, so why don't you read us those, those lyrics? Let's uh, start it through uh, the first verse. Um, I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies. I'm not proud of my address in a torn-up town, no postcode envy. Yes. Um, right. So I kind of, I, I foreshadowed some of this in the, in the intro, but yeah, she's criticizing sort of the opulence that you would see on American media that would be imported to New Zealand, where it's, it's talking about diamonds and all this fancy stuff. And she's saying, you know, for, in reality, her, just a young suburban girl, she's never seen an actual diamond. The closest she's come is, uh, wedding rings in movies. Yeah. Which again, a wedding ring is often like there's whatever rules they made up about how much you should spend on wedding rings and how big diamonds should be or whatever. So it's like kind of part of this like weird cultural thing where it's like you have to spend this money or you're not valid, I guess. Right, yeah, you're not doing it right. Yeah. You are... You're just wrong. A, a sucker, you're the worst, yeah. Uh, and 
That first yeah. line too. Never seen a diamond in the flesh. It's one of those like really like visceral sounding lines. Even though it mm-hmm. just means like I haven't like been around diamonds because diamonds are are rich people stuff. Um, but like in the flesh, you know. Yeah, in the flesh really really brings in some some visceral image. You're right. And then it is funny I, that the closest she's come is still just the movies. She's like, yeah, I've been to the movies before. Right, which, of course, are inherently fake. Yeah. An imitation of reality. And also kind of opulent sometimes in their own right. Yeah. I guess it's all part of that, like, media exposure that the mm-hmm. song is sort of about. Um, and then flips it in the second half, introduce more of herself. Not proud of her address. She doesn't live, come from a, a wealthy area, presumably. Um, even though she kind of maybe does, but yeah, I'm not here. Devonport, to, New Zealand. I'm not here to criticize the specifics. Yeah, and what they suggest on on Genius is that even if it is a nice part of New Zealand, and actually there's a quote by a lord here, so I'll, she told Billboard, no one comes to New Zealand, no one knows anything about New Zealand, and here I am trying to grow up and become a person. I've been countering that with going to New York and seeing this place that's in every movie and every TV show. Part of me wanted to go back to writing for me and for my friends and write something that I felt related to us a bit. So it's not necessarily that it's even bad, even though Torn Up Town would suggest that, but it's, it's not New York, right? Nobody's like, holy shit, Devonport? New Zealand? <laughs> right, it's it's out of the way, and I think we as Canadians probably have a similar feeling of, like, it's not so far removed from the sort of Western culture as, as defined by the United States, mm-hmm. but it's also not that at the same yeah. time. So it's kind of, kind of a weird, like, adjacent cultural thing. So you feel this separation, and you feel like it's uh, unique. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and looking at a map there, looking of 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 Auckland, there is there's water between some parts of it. So it's like, yeah, it's a little torn up in that sense, <laughs> like physically torn up yeah. because there's bridges. Well, I mean, New York is like a bunch of islands, or I has some so, islands. Yeah. They have a lot of bridges, I guess. I know there's at least two islands. At least two. No, you're probably right. you more. Make a valid point. Um. So yeah, first verse establishes that she is not part of. She's you know she's a normal, just suburban girl, if not small town, just you know, an average Joe. Right. And then we hit the pre-chorus, which says, "But every song's like Gold Tooth, Grey Goose, Trippin' in the Bathroom, Bloodstains, Ball Gowns, Trashing the Hotel Room." It's yeah, it's like it's like a list. And of course, this was this was written when she was fairly young. She was like 15 or something. Yeah, if that um, she was when yeah, she wrote it. We'll so see. that's the kind of thing I would definitely feel like a, a teenager would claim like, oh, you know, especially one who's got their finger on the pulse of, of pop music. Um, these are specific things that might get met, either mentioned in songs or shown in music videos, kind of like it's talking about drinking and and obviously a gold tooth would be a sign of wealth and doing drugs yeah. in the bathroom um and fights these like kind of i guess romantic things there's blood everywhere there's there's fancy dress and the sort of age old trope of of a pop star trashing a hotel room just cuz i guess they don't like support staff they don't like 
needs and such. Yeah, I don't you know, they they got some problem. Yeah, of these tropes she's listed, the one I'm probably most familiar with is Grey Goose, the vodka, which is mentioned in at least one Kid Cudi song, if not a couple others. Uh, Genius mentions that Jay-Z name drops it, and a lot of other rappers do as well, apparently. Um, of course, Gold Teeth, a lot of rappers have that. And uh, trashing the hotel room now, Genius suggests this is a reference to the Beastie Boys. Um, I mean, well, like I said, hotel trashing rooms hotel rooms and no sleep is, till Brooklyn. is not exclusive to a single rock. Like, just looking at rock and roll, like The Who were famous. Yeah, famously hotel rooms. Yeah, like supposedly, I think it was. There's a story of like, I don't know if they trashed the room or not, but like the Who were leaving a hotel, and then Keith Moon was like, "Oh, one minute, I forgot something," and like we went back up to the room and just like threw the TV off the balcony or something, and like left. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's a story that's been around for decades. So the idea that it reference is a reference to a specific Beastie Boys song, maybe, but the Beastie Boys certainly didn't talk about it first yeah it's been around in the consciousness for a while uh and i don't know if it's every song but it's kind of this like belligerent attitude i think is a big part of it behaving like you're above other people yeah and yeah so not only are you you like experiencing wealthy things like gold teeth and, and gray goose but you're also doing this outlandish behavior because you're so rich that consequences just don't apply to you. You can do whatever you want. You can throw TVs at whatever you want. Maybe it's a pool. Maybe it's a pool. And then, so following that up, we get the two lines, we don't care, we're driving Cadillacs in our dreams. Um, is So we, the we here is referring to, what, Lord and her friends? The royal we, because she's Lord? Uh, yes, this is the royal we. <laughs> Uh, but she does later on talk about her friends, and and again, I feel like that's a very like teenage thing to do. It's like if you're going out, you're going out with a group, so you're thinking of things in terms of not just yourself, but sort of the collective of you and your friends. Right. Which certainly I have done. Hell yeah! Haven't thought, we all myself in that context? Or is this we the people, Alex? Like we the the general masses don't give a shit. Because we have access to Cadillacs. Because beyond that, dreams. it's about like anyone who who can't afford a Cadillac, mm-hmm. um, or for whom this is not a reality. So she's identifying with not pop artists because she really wasn't popular when she wrote it. Yeah, maybe this is like maybe. some some blue collar stuff almost. Yeah. Um, worth noting that the line we're driving Cadillacs in our dreams is apparently from a, a, a journal entry Lord wrote when she was 12 years old. So uh, that's something to, to chew on there. Right. So I think the the implication being they these Cadillacs are unattainable to them. Yeah. Cadillacs being a sign of wealth. Lots of symbols of wealth. That's mostly what, what, what the pre-course well, is. What this is, so yeah. Like a it's list like, of symbols yeah, of wealth. We're, only, and, and we're one, only driving Cadillacs in our dream, and, and maybe two, that's the only place you need to drive a Cadillac. That's the only time it, it's going to feel exactly like how you want it to feel, right? Yeah, maybe. 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 But yeah, it, it's again, it's like, oh, we're only doing this shit in our dreams. 
It's it's it's, it's not that's how foreign it is to us. Yeah. And she says, despite this fact, she says, but everybody's like crystal, Maybach, diamonds on your timepiece, jet planes, islands, tigers on a gold leash. Um, again, these are some some staples that have appeared in other songs, some high status symbols. Um, an American journalist actually criticized her for because these were all things from the hip hop genre. And so she's right. like, this is pretty racist. But as other people have pointed out, Lord is from New Zealand and is just kind of getting, you know, American media shoveled to her without necessarily being in American media. So she is really just critiquing on what has come her way. Right. And I, I read that, too. Uh, I don't want to go too far into it because it's probably a little bigger than than. I can comment on too much. The two white boys? Yeah, probably. Yeah. My initial impression was that, basically. Like, it's just the media that happened to be very popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, I think the, the actual context of that is maybe a separate discussion. Uh, but... Yeah. That's about I, as much like- as I can say. Things like diamonds on your timepiece, uh, jet planes, and I'm gonna guess like, islands. Yeah, like I'm private sure white islands. People have for sure engaged in all of those. Yeah, like, I like understand private Christal jets. All is big in the black community. I don't know shit about Maybox. Um, and tigers on a gold leash. The only thing car. that comes to mind is Mike Tyson. So like, I don't know enough about those things to say for yeah, sure. Well, just like the idea of having exotic animals. Yeah. As a status symbol, I can see it being general, I, and I don't really know the songs it might be specifically referencing so. probably referencing the film citizen kane i'm not sure if he has a tiger in that tiger? i feel like he had a zoo or something i don't know i watched it sled? in school years ago yeah, yeah yeah he did have a sled i haven't seen and it. everybody's like rosebud <laughs> snow globes other things from citizen kane um, um yeah too long. uh yeah uh so we don't care so this it's it's interesting because it is there are a lot of like collective terms like mm-hmm. everybody says this or everybody wants this and i think part of the second one but like everyone some of those things in fact the the first line probably more so than the second line are like attainable things like the sort of things you could probably get for maybe a little more than you could afford or maybe go into debt for like fancy liquor or fancy car or you know a a watch with diamonds on it um versus like jet planes like private jets and and private islands and and exotic animals Uh, i don't know if that was on purpose to split those things in half but that's kind of how i see it whereas the first like some of those things are things you could have not necessarily because you are wealthy but because you're trying to appear wealthy right so it kind of expands you're saying like these are things it goes smaller to bigger, like you know, in Jet Plains Islands, and also like domestic to exotic. Yeah, because like, I mean, a whole island—that's that's a lot of that's a like owning land is a kind of a big deal, you know. It's and a like, big deal. And anywhere, exotic yeah. pets—you got to take care of that shit, or at least like, you know, or they'll poop everywhere. Yeah, that's what they do. Um, but it's a whole thing, and then we don't care. Again, we. So everybody's like this thing, but then we. So like separating, like into two groups, kind of thing, which feels a uh, very, uh, like a teenage thing, to me. Like right. that's how I would have viewed the world probably uh, when this song came out, or like younger, I guess. 
Damn. Kind of like how I was talking uh, last week. Locomotive Breath is like a, a young man's album. This is a, 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 from a young person's perspective as well. For sure. Yeah, I would. And agree she with was, that. And, like we said, very young when it was written. So. Yeah, and yeah, I would like who is this? This we right? It is sort of the way a teenager would talk. We don't care. Well, who's we? Me and my buddy Dale. And yeah. I was talking to a guy at the convenience store the other day. He seemed to agree with some things. Like it's, <laughs> it's not a very yeah. concrete we. Yeah, and but it, I do like it. <laughs> it's it's also like an easy kind of trap to fall into but when you say like, oh, everyone says this, but it's really just your kind of bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there is two big we's in this: the everybody and every song, and then of course we the the, the us and them are both a little ambiguous in this. Yeah, that is fair. Um, we aren't caught up in your love affair. Uh, is the love affair, a lot of people seem to suggest it's the media's love affair or the, the greater public's love affair with the opulent lifestyle, or is it the love affair of the artist with their own opulent lifestyle? I think both can be true. Like, it's just the, the attraction of um, broadcasting wealth. Because all these things are also, like, I was talking about how they're portrayed in the media, and mm. particularly like the second group uh, and some of the first group are, yeah, like you're showing off. So the love affair is, is with the opulent lifestyle and with showing other people that you have an opulent lifestyle. Right. And so, it, right. So the, it's both the artist singing about it and the, the media reporting on yeah, it. Yeah. Just like culturally, our attraction mm. to that. Right. And yeah, I guess that's sort of cemented in the chorus, where it's just like some people are are into this, but it's not for us. She says, "We'll never be royals, royals. It don't run in our blood." Um, that's a very obvious line. Royalty yeah. is a bloodline thing. Yeah, compared just introducing the idea of of um, hereditary power, I guess, and and yeah. Rome. Um, she goes on to say that kind of lux just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Um, I'm gonna. Combine this with the next couplet, because Buzz plays in there. Mm-hmm. Let me be your ruler. Ruler, you can call me Queen Bee. Baby, I'll rule, I'll rule, I'll rule. Let me live that fantasy. So Lux, luxury, right? It's just... Uh... Yeah, sure, it seems to be short for luxury. Interestingly enough, apparently a term that has been used as far back as the 1800s. Mm. Lux as a, as a short form of luxury. Not a slang term that uh, I've really seen very often. Maybe it's more common in New Zealand, where Lord is from. Maybe. Um, also, like, genius seems to be making some reach with a light-based metaphor here. Because of Lux? Yeah. So L-U-X, um, is, it's, a, it's a, a unit of illumination, and suggesting the limelight, right? Like, like some, some, she's not oh, envious she do- of anybody. Uh, she does have another song with Lux in the title. Mm-hmm. Um... And I guess, I, I, I don't know, maybe, but if it is true, kind of interesting, because on the one hand, it's like, we don't, we can live without the luxury, but also without the sort of showy side of it. Right. So even if we are doing something quite luxurious, we don't need the, the limelight on us. Yeah. Again, don't need to broadcast it, don't need to show off. Mm-hmm. Because Which, we at the time, like, this of, is when... This is when, uh, you know, social media is really coming into its own. We start that's true see, as well. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know when Instagram started, but that's what I would associate it with. But Twitter was around for sure. And obviously that's a big, you know, Facebook existed. 
where yeah. you sort of share all your pictures or you did at the time. I don't know if you still do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I guess inherent in the idea of Royals is a lot of publicity, right? Yeah. I even, yeah. Stretching back to like tabloids or whatever. <laughs> hmm. Um, and since there is some some much more obvious wordplay in this course as well, I'd believe I'd believe the 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 double entendre on Lux. Yeah. Um, and then like yeah, we crave a different kind of buzz. Obviously, buzz is uh used to describe a small amount of intoxication. That's hell yeah. That's how I understand it. But this kind of suggesting or drawing a parallel between like like uh getting high and feeling high from like having stuff or and, and mm-hmm. showing off. Um let me be yeah. your ruler. Uh ruler. which uh, is used to draw straight lines and measure things. So that's correct, that's, yeah. That could mean anything. <laughs> I, I see no uh, problem with that interpretation. Um you can call me Queen B. Like you said, there we have another like buzz tie in. Which I yeah. I don't have like much insight into that. As to why it's bees? Well, I mean, Um, obviously, queen bee is a term. Is a valid term that we know. We know the meaning of that. But why that necessarily ties into the buzz in the previous line. Or it's just like... Well, so queen bees, the thing about them is they're not royalty in the human sense, right? They are literally, like, hereditary, right? I I mean, I guess they are in that sense. But also... Much smaller because they're teeny tiny. They're little bees. Little they're guys. big for bees, though. So it's it's kind of like we can have some of this on a smaller scale, right? Like I can be your queen bee. Oh, interesting. Where it's it meaning's more personal. I I mean I just thought of the term queen bee as just like a general metaphor for being. Uh. A person with power. Yeah, I suppose. I, don't know, I think I think it is like with power, but on a smaller scale, right? Because she kind of talks about in the second verse her group of friends, like we've talked about. Right. I guess previously. I guess that's um like a a beehive, even though it's a whole hive and a lot of bees. If she's comparing kind of her group with a beehive, and she can be the queen of that, and that's like yeah, she's happy to her. thrive in this smaller in her environment which scenario. is physically small even though it's large for a bee mm-hmm. it's small for us yeah it's, my, yeah on a human scale i mentioned the song to my parents and they said they thought it was a beyonce song because she said queen, queen bee, in bee. It. just wanted to mention Your that parents woefully out of touch yeah with popular music that's probably for the best yeah i mean you, you got to get out of touch at some point right right I'm already like, I'm like on my way. Yeah, I'm one foot out the door. <laughs> like Royals, yeah, I probably heard that back uh, when did it come out, like uh, oh, two yeah, years yeah. ago. <laughs> that sounds about right. Back um, in my day, she was called Destiny's Child. That's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and of course, it does get a little more personal in the end with the line "and baby, I'll rule." So it's like this mm-hmm. is addressing it to a single person. This isn't a broad sweeping statement like the rest of it. Yeah. This is addressed, yeah, saying, hey, hey, baby, which is usually an affectionate term used for a romantic partner. Right. Also, just when you're, you're feeling yourself. You know, you're just, you're That's kind of right, baby. I, I, use, I use baby all the time. All right. 
I do. That's journalism, well. baby. <laughs> I'm not even addressing anyone. I just throw it in there for a little razzmatazz, you know? Yeah. Make him make him feel like feel like you're. It's like the verbal equivalent of doing jazz hands. Yeah, but different in that it, it's a different effect. I think you're intending with each one, but I get it's like punctuation, but in a different form. Yeah, it's a word instead of a pause, I guess. Or all right. Or instead of a hand gesture. No, I agree with it. I, I think I agree with what you've described. Second verse. Same as the first. Second no, verse. not actually. Uh, my friends and I, we've cracked the code. We count our dollars on the train to the party. And everyone who knows us knows that we're fine with this. We didn't come from money. Um, again, coming with this idea of, like, we in our group, we've got it figured out. Mm-hmm. Which, again is a feeling you get in, like, high school times and afterwards. Yeah. Um, and, like the quote you mentioned, they're not, you know, taking private cars to the party. They're going to the party. Yeah. But they're taking public transportation. They don't have a private jet. They can't fly to the party. Mm-hmm. And they got to figure out how much money they have because uh, they don't have a lot of it. Yeah, they got a budget, and they're fine with Their that. Their parents aren't throwing money at them, but they can live with it. it it's a, kind of a funny way, like, I would compare it to sto- similar statements of, like, back in my day, we didn't need all this fancy. It's not really, like, a nostalgic thing, necessarily, but it's like, we we had less, but we were okay with it. But it's saying that, but it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's one of those like oh we used because it is one of those we used to do this strange thing yeah to to do a normal thing and there's is we count our dollars on it's the like, train now I've been a broke motherfucker most of my life I still am <laughs> and I've never counted my money on a train to the party I know what it's like to do the mental math of you know can I buy a pizza this month or, right. or is that money better spent elsewhere but like I get the concept but yeah it's one of those like oh me and me and old Sticky Lou used to go behind the the bottle depot yeah. take the bottles and then give them back to the we had two guys running these bottles we'd recycle a thousand bucks and go spend it down on the horses and you're like yeah, all right <laughs> blow it all on the horses on the ponies um, <laughs> on the ponies yeah it's, it's one of those like strange things we do when we're poor <laughs> poor people have to develop strange habits yeah also, is counting dollars on the train it took me a minute to like figure out to realize that like the train is supposed to be kind of one of the signs of like they're not wealthy like taking oh, public yeah, transportation because to me i'm like well if i can take the train downtown i want to do it because i don't you know i don't want to i don't have to right. worry about parking that's whatever. saving money because you don't want to park downtown yeah yeah but then well, it's, it's also like, a matter of where is this party because if it's teenagers probably a house party yeah also what is their public transportation like no is it comparable idea. to ours are like they taking like a steam port. engine what's it like what's it like in new zealand Nobody knows. Nobody can tell. I assume, and, it's, I assume it's basically the Industrial Revolution. And they are openly poor, or if not poor, you know, again, just fucking normal. Because uh, he says, everybody who knows right. us know that we're fine with this. So it's, it's not a secret that they don't have a ton of cash. It's just, it's a, a known fact. So there's no shame in it. Right. And I think cracking the code refers to the fact that they're, they were comfortable in it. But it was like, we cracked the code. We know that it's, you, you just kind of ignore all this media hype on you know all of the things she lists in her her pre-chorus right like they've they've figured out like their secret to happiness is just like being okay with things 
Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Being that checks okay out. With the fact that you're like not wealthy, but still reasonably well off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, there's an idea of just like not having great expectations, which comes up in the bridge here. Yeah, let's says, jump to that We're bridge. Bigger than we've ever dreamed, and I'm in love with being queen. Life is great without a care. We aren't cut off in your love affair. But yeah, bigger than we ever dreamed. It's like, oh, I didn't expect a whole lot, and now I'm, I'm like, <laughs> so this is huge. Right, sort of with like within her own sphere, she can still be royal, as as established before with the. Yeah, I mean, her and her friend got to be on some fucking New Zealand radio show when they were teenagers. Like that's pretty cool if i if i'd got that experience as a teen it'd be pretty cool yeah and i think like i think uh one of the questions you have to ask yourself when looking at music is what is the relationship to this song and partying so mm. i get the idea that they're saying like we can still live like an excite like experientially kind of like like we can we can have positive or exciting experiences instead of having to spend money on things to feel good. That's the right. idea I get. Cause they're going to a party. It's not like when she's talking about like these alcohols or whatever, it's not like she's getting down on just talking to like drinking or partying or anything. It's just the yeah. idea that they are expensive and a status symbol. Right. Exactly. So she can still go to parties and still have fun. It's just she's not drinking Cristal. Like, it's... It's not about what you're drinking. It's about who you're with, bro. It's just about the people. It's about who you're drinking. Yeah, it's who you're drinking. Um, She's in love with being queen, so in, in her her version of reality, she's, she's the queen of her own existence, even if she's not legally royalty or, you know, wealthy or any of that shit. Right, yeah, so it's about it's about the, uh... Uh, what's it called where the like philosophical concept that life, that reality only exists sort of within your own perception? Oh, isn't that solipsism? Sure. That one. That's where you're the only real one, right? Um, I don't. Is that the same one? I don't think so. It's more like you can't prove that anything exists except yourself. So it's like, I don't know. I don't remember what the next step of that is, but it's kind of like she is queen because like her. That's how she builds her own reality. Right. Because nothing else matters. Yeah. The, with, the like, with like a of, small of bit of like matter. Buddhism where it's like, let go of your worldly possessions sort of thing. Right. Just like a, li- a little, a little taste of that. Yeah. A little taste of that. It reminds me of a, of an Andrew Bird song where he says, ever since I gave up hope, I've been feeling so much better. Which is a, a similar concept here, which is like, my friends and I have let go of these expectations of extravagant riches. Right, and if you're not, have, if you like, don't play the, if you don't, uh, what's, what's the, like, don't play the game. Like, the only way to win is not play the game or whatever. Oh, yeah, the, the only winning move is not to play. Yeah. Not about chess, no. <laughs> yes, that's, that's how you win chess. You just stare at the other guy <laughs> you for like stayed, three hours. No, thank you. Or however long it takes. There's a timer, right? Does that count yeah. up or down? Um, yeah, it must count up, right? Is it about... Oh, off topic. But yeah, yeah, I think we have used several similes and metaphors to describe the same idea. 
Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's again I'm gonna compare it to. It's a very different angle from from locomotive breath, like a different topic. Mm-hmm. But I think the perspective is similar of a young person coming up in the world, observing certain things, and kind of making their. This is really general now that I'm saying it out loud. Like, oh, it's a song about seeing something and then expressing what you think about it. (laughs) But this is specifically about a young person who sees Mm -hmm. some aspect of society. And and maybe this is the thing they're focusing on because of their lifestyle or where they came up and are kind of commenting on it. In this, it's more specifically saying like, hey, I've got a solution figured out. You just got to be chill, bro. Yeah, it's the difference between, like, so locomotive breath is the horrors of reality going on sort of despite your objections. Yeah. Where you're like, we're braiding too fucking fast here or whatever. And then you turn around, your best friend, your wife are are just going at it to produce even more spawn. And you're like, oh, my God, the terror. Whereas this one's like, you can ignore the bullshit of media and kind of establish your own beautiful life. Yeah. You can have your own kingdom. You, You can... You can live it all without having to worry about the expectations of bullshit. Yeah. Don't worry about manners and other things that are weird. Yeah. Take your time. Count your dollars out on the train and make some goddamn memories. Yeah. No, I think that was a good observation, Alex. That's all of the unique lyrics in here. So, yeah, sort of a a criticism of opulence and supporting of the idea of just living your life within your means almost. It's like, Hey, let's do what you can do. Yeah. And definitely comes from like a younger perspective, which I don't think makes it less valid or anything. No, because, it's, um, uh, I think just in some of the, like, like we said, some of the wording is particularly indicative of a younger mind. And that's not, again, that's not a quality statement. Yeah. That's just a, uh, just a, just, a observation. The, that's the environment it was created in. Yeah. I mean, me, I believe the children are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Is that a lyric? I believe that is, yes. Hmm. Um, I don't know who does that song. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's weird for me to say that for this, for uh, an artist who is three years younger than me. Like, I know, right? <laughs> uh... She was young at the time, though. She's a baby. She's yeah. a teenager. And like we were, too, but... Yeah. Hard now that we're looking back on it. Yeah, let's talk about this minimalist composition because it is very simple. Um, it, it, it's really paved the way for other artists. Like uh, this makes me think of Billie Eilish, but maybe it's the other way around. You know, bad guy is is because of this that it yeah. can exist. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I had to like this is part of research because I can't really comment on like pop music trends so much, but apparently, a big part of like popularizing, um slower tempoed music kind of more intimate feelings and maybe slightly breathier singing okay um now i again this is part of the research i don't think this is the song that caused everything to switch immediately because these things don't these things happen continuously they don't happen just yeah but this was part of that earlier movement an early part an early song that was a big hit that would have inspired a lot of people to move in this direction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, particularly coming from somebody so young, like 
I can't imagine being younger than than Lord and then seeing this come to Aaron and be like, oh, she's fucking 15 or whatever. It's like, holy shit. You can do that? Like, that'd have blown me away. But yes, God, I talk course. like an old man sometimes. God, if we had an artist like that back in mind, I'd tell you, I'd have bought a guitar down at the Five and Diamond. Whatever. But <laughs> go ahead. Yes. Uh, like you said, very sparse. It comes in with percussion. And it's just like bass drum and finger snaps. Yeah. Like, really. And, and there is, like, the two things that come in is, I think, a bass guitar and uh, a synth. Yeah, does the synth come in this... At the second... It comes in at the second verse, but, like, that's all we really get for build, and it's it's very much nothing. Like, it's, like, beep, beep when it comes in. Yeah. Well, it is on the backbeat, which I think gives it a pretty good dynamic. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, there's almost a, a reggae rhythm in in this. Not on the snaps, but on that uh, on that synth, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's really what it is, cause cause the the main part of the the rhythm is not, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have that backbeat focus. Although it does, um, the snaps are on the two and the four. Mm. And those are the reggae beats. Those are those are the beats you put a skank on. It, it doesn't really sound reggae or anything. I don't think that makes no. it reggae, but it does do that. Interesting. Um, although the first beat is also is like more accented because like when you get that kick, it kind of echoes on the first beat. That's right. Um, and then it does. There's some hi hat too that comes in on the verse. That's right. Um, so it comes in kind of like groups of three, and then the snaps will be like the last hit beat of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another thing she does in the verse. Um, and it's sort of, it's, um, it's like that vocal double tracking where it's two. Is this the verse? It comes in later, right? Hang on. No, the pre-chorus. I'm on the pre-chorus. Are, are you good to go to the pre-chorus? Yeah, I'm good to go on the pre-chorus. I think we kind of mentioned already that, like, everything comes in at once. There's no, like, guitar intro or anything. It's vocals. That yeah. uh, bass drum and the snaps, like, pretty much all immediately. Yeah, uh, the bass, you hear the bass a little more on the pre-chorus, I think. Um, or I yeah, think. and we, we get a full-on bass guitar in the chorus. Later on. Yeah, is your audio coming through the... I can hear snippets of, of Lord coming through on your end. Yeah, I, yeah. I can hear it. That is weird. Not the end of the world if you can't fix it, but, uh, yeah. Very strange. Don't worry about it too much. Can you hear it right um, now? Yeah, it, it comes in the background. It's not a huge deal. Um, so yeah, the pre-chorus, so we get double tracking on the vocals. Yeah, and it's kind of like slightly different take sound. Mm-hmm. Um, where like one sounds a little like sing-songy and the lead one feels a little a little more spoken, kind of. It's not really spoken. Uh, subtle difference. Made me think of 
David Bowie does that kind of stuff. He has a little bit more right. difference between the two tracks, though, because he'll do like a yeah. weird Bowie voice in the background or something. Always makes me think of Space Oddity when I think of double tracking. That's always the first one that comes to mind. I've yeah. told that story yeah. enough times, but. Um, so that yeah, so we get the double tracking on there. Um, the, the You said the bass, like the bass drum or a bass guitar comes in, um, notably. Bass guitar. I noticed it more. Yeah, or for sure. The, like, bum, bum, yeah, bum. yeah, you're you're right. That bum, bum. Like pretty minimal, and I'm pretty sure it gets just replaced in the chorus with the like more of a synth bass, like wall, wall. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and of course we get to the chorus. There's backup vocals for Royals, which I, I'm assuming is just her. I don't know. I don't know things. Yeah, I think it's just layered it a lot. Also, I'm pretty sure that synth bass is not actually on the back beats like I thought it was. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yes. Uh, so on the end of some lines, like Royals, uh, I like the the melody there. Mm -hmm. Um, that really always stuck out to me when she says Royals. And then there's the right. echo. Never be royal, royal. Yeah, that is. Uh... It's not really a hook, I don't think, but it kind of works like one. It kind of sticks in your head. Yeah, because that's the part of the song I that popped in my head when you're like, okay, we're yeah. gonna do. Royals and immediately, I, I said, I told my parents I was doing this song, and they said, mm -hmm. I don't think I know that song. And I did that, and they were like, Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a really distinctive part of the song which is impressive because it's such a small part of the song yeah i guess i mean it's, it's the title obviously but like arrangement though when you hit that high point even if it is not that high mm -hmm. like it, it hits that much harder right yeah and i kind of like skimmed over it before but it sort of has like a few melodic parts um that are very like attractive what's the word <laughs> good i like like yeah distinctive i guess like like in the in the pre-chorus the like listing part yeah so it really does have like a few very strong melodic sections that are um probably a big part of why why people like it yeah i mean again when you take out so much like you know i i guess fluff or whatever you want to call it when you're really just like We've got this bass, it's hitting two notes, this bass drum, right. and some finger snaps. Like, the, the technical precision of, like, rhythm and things like that has to be something compelling, or it's just going to sound empty. Yeah, the stuff you, you leave has to be good, right? Yeah, so right. you don't have anything to distract from. Um, so, yeah, we go through the chorus. Um, there's an instrument break between the chorus and the second verse. Yeah, pretty short. It's really just, like, cutting back down. Getting like that bass drum and the snaps again. Yeah. And then when we come into verse two, there's that synth we've talked about. Okay, I'm listening to it again. It is on the backbeat. I was listening to the wrong part. Uh well it's like whap, 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 whap. Yeah. But it's on the back. Anyway. Um, yeah, kind of like more of like a synth synth bass thing. Um, mm -hmm. cause kind of that low ends. Um, again, this one has some backup vocals on like party. Yeah. And nose again, it's just like that, that double tracking stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, that doesn't have, it's not like she has a choir with her. Just double tracking herself. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like pretty much it, right? Like the bass, that like synth is really the addition, like you said earlier on. Like that's what, that's what changes. Yeah. Um, worth noting, I didn't mention on the pre-chorus last time, but the, the final line, the, the instruments drop off halfway through. So you get the, we aren't caught up in your love affair without just, just clean. There's nothing else. Right. That's your kind of like turn around into the, into the chorus. Yeah. Rather than like a big buildup with the instruments. Yeah. It's a, a drop yeah. that gets you ready. Um, as you move through, everything kind of stays now. Uh, yeah, I didn't notice any difference consistent. in the chorus. This, this second chorus. Um, it's still got that synth bass and everything. Yeah. Um, maybe she's singing a little harder. Just, but like not a lot. Yeah. And then it goes into a middle eight. It is eight bars long. It does not seem to be a bridge. Yeah, but because it goes from chorus to chorus, right? Yes, goes from chorus to chorus, and it is actually eight bars long. I counted. Nice, Alex. Yeah. And so Although is... the bars are quite long in this one because it's a fairly slow-tempoed song. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. That was why I second-guessed it being a middle eight. I was like, maybe this isn't eight bars. It feels a little long. Interesting. Um, yeah, and its vocalizations are kind of the big emphasis in this part. It's, uh... Yeah, when uh... again, she's sort of like harmonizing with her own, or like there are several versions of her own voice harmonizing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then the sort of like almost chanted lines. We're bigger yeah. than we ever dreamed. Life is great without a care. We're not caught up in your love, care. Yeah. Not much care because she was like hired by a recording company when she was like 12 or something. Yeah. To, uh, crazy. And then, <laughs> and like they just gave her like singing lessons and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty yes. Wild. Then it goes. Uh, fro- so the transition is is kind of fun because the beginning of the chorus and will never be is actually the end of the previous measure. So it actually happens during the eighth bar at the end of the middle. Oh eight, yeah. And then I need to get a little uh, like bass kick up to that. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just little things. Yeah, yeah and from there we we kind of go to the just straight to the end where again like the instruments cut out and she says that let me live that fantasy line, just clean. Yeah, and that's the end. That's it's the over. end, baby. So yeah, it's like it's very minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes. Songs with more like production are hard to hard to listen to and like parse out all the parts, but not this one. Yeah, this one everything is very visible. All the parts you can see them, and it's pretty yeah. cool to be able to to look at them all and see how they work together. Yeah. Uh, with that said, let's talk about this music video, Alex, by Joel Kefali. He directed it. Yeah. Let's talk about. Um. First, I want to say that Lord said. 
that the video was meant to show how teenage life can be so mundane and boring, and she told a publication in an interview that she felt her presence in the video was unnecessary, saying, quote, With pop music and pop musicians, you know everything about everyone all the time, particularly their physical appearance. With female musicians, that's made a big thing of, and I think people, certainly with me, have appreciated a bit of mystery. It's like you mentioned, one of the big shots in this is just straight up her face singing at the camera. Yeah, I think that, obviously, I'm sure, yeah, like, that's valid um, if she doesn't want to be seen as much. But I mm-hmm. do think that, like, the shot of her looking at the camera is icon- or is or was iconic enough at the time that, like, that was part of her introduction to the world because it was right. so early on. So, like, that was part of showing everyone this is Lord basically because i've seen that shot probably in ads for it back in the day you know yeah the face does seem uh, familiar to me and i it's not like i'm looking at pictures of lord at random hours so that must be why that said i think i agree with her overall looking at this i guess from the from a marketing perspective you're right right it doesn't fit fill much of like a narrative purpose Mm-hmm. And I feel like this one is so much about like it's it's minimalist in its own portrayal as well. It is this portrayal of sort of a mundane teenage life that has its own like intricacies and, and lows and highs. But it's it, we're more focused in this video on these sort of uh, just one or two dudes as they go about their life in regular suburbia than we give a shit about the fact that Lord's singing. Yeah, because really, I mean, the the video itself is kind of these shots of, like, suburban homes first, and then, like, a a bunch of various shots of these two guys, one or two of them, just sort of, mm-hmm. like, doing whatever, and occasionally looking bored. Like, like, there's one where he's just, like, sitting in a chair, kind of staring. Sometimes they, like, they're boxing at one point, because it's like, oh, look, we're filling some time or whatever. Uh, having yeah. a good time doing this and like he's bleeding so that kind of ties in with the like blood stain thing of like that's part of the like i guess romantic notion of, of violence i guess right the romanticizing of violence where it's really he just got into a fight or it's just simply from boxing like a, a, yeah. a sport that he yeah. does and they're just like two guys who are friends presumably so it's not like he was fighting a guy over something exciting it was just like they were doing an activity Right, it's like someone hit. He hit him a bit too hard. He probably wasn't meaning to do it. Yeah, um, it shows um, them riding trains and waiting it, waiting for trains. I think that's probably yeah. important for the like kind of boredom aspect of it. And then riding those trains again, they they fit of the demographic that the song describes. Yeah, and again, being bored on that train too, head leaning on the window. I mean, that's a it's a classic. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of that kind of that. Yeah, just waiting, waiting things out. Yeah, um, they shave their heads at one point. Uh, one of them like cups their hand around a, a it's either a match or a lighter, but it looks like they're just kind of trying to touch fire again because I think they're bored and just trying to feel something. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think like th- there was some, or we talked earlier about how the song kind of addresses media depictions of things and. In particular, this video shows a few exciting things, but it also shows a bunch of like stuff in between. 
I, right. I think that was the intention. Was right. like a brief blip. Not of all of your life excitement. is high points. There has to be like low points as well, or yeah. you know, just just time between the high points. Not even low necessarily, just like normal, mundane. Yeah. Um. Again, there's him laying down like at a train station. Uh. Yeah, just a lot of like mundane shots and having Lord stare at me with her her makeup all done up. And singing at me in the midst of all this just felt out of place. Yeah, it it's definitely just like the music video thing of like let's show the art because it's more marketable to have a face people recognize. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll sell shirts and posters. Or but I do think she looks pretty iconic in this video. It is the from a marketing like, yeah. perspective, it worked. Um, from an artistic perspective, it maybe didn't. For sure. I mean, the I rest of the video works fine. It's just that's also there. Yeah. Also, shout out to to hair, curly hair. I always like to see curly hair. So. What's up? Very, very nice. Hell yeah. Um. Yeah, that's all I got to say about this, Alex. Are we gonna start talking about some covers? Let's talk about some covers. All right. Let's get it right out of the way. Bruce Springsteen in Bruce 2014. Springsteen. And I'll never be royal Don't run in our blood That kind just ain't for us I crave a different kind of love Let me be your ruler Covered it live um, At you Mount about Bruce Smart Stadium in Auckland in Auckland In New Zealand so, so naturally you're in New Zealand in the, in the hometown of Lord herself You gotta, you gotta play one for the Lord one for the Lord. Um, right at the bat, my only criticism: Bruce Springsteen has absolutely seen a diamond in the flesh. True. That said, it kind of fits in with the sort of thing that he writes. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Like, true. He's got money now, no doubt. Um, he's got the fortunes of heaven, he's Alex. Got the fortunes of heaven, <laughs> but like, uh, in terms of like his oeuvre. Like, mm-hmm. it, it fits in, actually, pretty well. Pretty well, yeah. I agree, 100%. Um, and, I mean, he, it, like, to quote his um, Springsteen on Broadway, his show he did on Broadway, uh, <laughs> I made it all up. I'm that good. <laughs> um, oh, fuck, I love that guy. <laughs> so, yes, he, he really, like, his change keeps it... Um, Sparse. Really, he's just playing the guitar. It's just him and his guitar. It, yeah, um, him, his guitar, and also him on harmonica. Yes, he does play the harmonica. That's true. In fact, it kind of starts with a harmonica. It comes in with some guitar strumming, and then he plays his harmonica. Mm-hmm. Um, so he makes some small changes to the lyrics. lyrics. Um, Interestingly... Skip- um, oh, yeah. one that comes up a lot is the changing of we to I for most of it. Yeah, except for I think in the chorus. No, in the second yeah. verse. Yeah, where yeah, where it comes to his friends again, he he bops in we. But I drive a Cadillac in my dreams. I crave a different kind of love. I don't care. Um. So it is interesting to see that difference, particularly when we talked about that we being sort of a teenage identifier. Right, and now he's maybe thinking more personally, sort of, mm-hmm. later in life. 
Maybe. Or something like that. And this, this is later in life Bruce Springsteen. This is closer yeah, this is to stuff on Western Stars, his Broadway performance. He's a little older. It's a little more acoustic. Yeah. Um, other changes. He doesn't... He, he takes out some of the lines, and I think it's wise. Uh, that would maybe make it sound like he's trying to sound younger. Like some of the more slangy type lines. Uh, like... He doesn't say no postcode envy, possibly because they just have zip codes in the States and not postcodes. That's right. Um, so he just repeats in a torn up town a second time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. He also doesn't, uh, he doesn't say um, that kind of lux just ain't for us. Mm. He just says that kind ain't for us. Right. He, he springsteenifies it because yeah. repeating "torn up town," "torn up town" already sounds like it should be a, a Springsteen line. A, yeah, like, <laughs> sounds like Absolutely. some Springsteen shit. Um, and he also says we crave a different kind of love. I think instead of mm-hmm. buzz, that's correct. So really, I don't know that all of his changes stand up to scrutiny, but they definitely make it sound like a Springsteen song. A hundred percent. Um. And he also says King Bee, which I don't think has the same effect as Queen Bee. But that said, I think he could have stuck with Queen Bee because I think Queen Bee stands for Bruce. Right, right. His name starts with the B. So (laughs) yeah. Um, um, And he says something different there. What does he say? Long ago, I was the next big thing. Now I'm looking. No, wait, that's later. That's the that's the middle eight, I believe. Yeah. Um, I stand by the King B. Uh, I see your point. Right. But I, he's also playing this live, and people probably lost their minds when he said King B. He said King like, B, right. Yeah, at first, I was more like, eh, switch it to King. Like, Queen B is kind of its own thing as a metaphor, so I don't know why you changed that. But then I realized, oh, yeah, his name's Bruce. Yeah. Um, so he called himself the King. And also interesting, because the King in rock and roll is... Um, Elvis Presley, who was sort of like the generation before Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. And you might call him King A, and this would be King right, B. He's, he's King B. Um, and also, when he goes into the Middle East, he said, long ago, I was the next big thing. So maybe that ties in. Talk, maybe. Vague Elvis reference. And then when he was the next big thing, it was like, what was the last big thing? Dylan? And then Yeah, because he was one of the new Dylans. Yeah. So, interesting. And we talked about, I think generally when we talk about Bruce Springsteen covering on this show, one, it's always live. Um, two, it's usually for like True. an award show and it's a, a little more straight. I like this one where it's, it seems he is one identified that some of the themes in this are sort of in the Spruce, the, the, the Bruce Springsteen like wheelhouse. Right. And then making small changes to sort of further adapt it to his work. This feels like the most bruce springsteen cover of a song we've talked about on the show right especially when you compare it to even like his own live version of um blinded by the light which Mm -hmm. was like so out there um or like just a different style um yeah that was springsteen in the sense of like that's something he would do is go that far out there and that wild this is springsteen and that you could it's like oh yeah it's it's a guy with a harmonica and acoustic guitar singing about like torn up town yeah like, and never being rich like it yeah it's so blue collar <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like if you didn't know about Lord, if you're living under a rock and I just played this for you, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, like the idea of just like being with someone and like this is our reality, we can be the the royalty in this reality. Like, yeah, that's so Springsteen. Yeah. So, very in- interesting observation and some good subtle changes. Mm-hmm. And of course, it is very minimalist. It is just guitar and some some harmonica that plays throughout. Uh, uh, it's that's cool. I liked it. I like Bruce Springsteen. What a surprise! I know, right? All right, Alex. Let's talk about now on the playlist here. I think you got some of the years a little mixed up. Uh, next up, I've got Pelikay in 2014. Yeah, I got Pelike, then Natty Bong, and then Richard Cheese. You messed it up. Uh, it's just those two, I think. Okay. It's fine. Let's talk about Pelike, who we talked about a couple weeks ago for Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Which we will mm, now sing. Better, faster, come on, makes it better. Harder, better, faster, I'm not going to say his name because I can't pronounce it. Um, his actual name. Yeah, it's like it's a motherfucker. Yeah, is he's Norwegian and yeah. he has a Norwegian name that I don't know how to say. Uh, he's notable for being having a wide vocal range and for being a polyglot. Oh yeah, he speaks. He speaks multiple and sings right in now. several languages. Yeah, What's including that guy, English. Three to be poly, or do you just have three? Yeah, well, I think uh, I I feel like if you're using glot. You can say poly as long as there's more than one. I guess. I think uh, but you can just I don't say know. bilingual more. Yeah, I, I, I have multilingual written down, but polyglot is a fun uh, noun. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> um, he's possibly worked on some Square Enix stuff. Yeah, I couldn't. I still don't know what. Still, still he's find allegedly that. sung for Square Enix. So he does kind of metal-ish means. covers. It's particularly evident in his vocals, like you said, big range. And he really knows how to do those high up, like falsetto punch it. Yeah, to compare it with Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, this really shows off what he's about more because yes, it's more vocal focused. And he's able to do some vocal stuff as compared to that, where it was like an interesting attempt. And it was like kind of cool that he tried it. But considering he's really like a singer and it was a song that has like three lines in it. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and is mostly based around like a vocoder. This is a little more straightforward. Yeah, and, this translates yeah. a lot better into yeah. his style. Um, so we open with piano, vocal, and drums right off the bat. The piano is following the vocal melody, so they're always following him as he sings. Yeah, doubling that up, and like it stays, it it stays sparse. Um. Until we get into the pre-chorus, which is when, like, this guitar rips in sort of a, like, chainsaw effect. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why I say rips in, right? Yeah, it's literally, I have written rips in as well, like, yeah. <laughs> word for Sounds word. It's like we use similar words because we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> that That is a fact. <laughs> um... um yeah, and it does a bit of like a like a rhythmic chug, right? Yeah, like it's, heavy metal yeah, it kind of stays growly as as he sings. And I really think like his singing, obviously, like he's the focus of this. This is kind of his solo thing. Yeah, and he's a singer, 
So uh, the piano's still following that, even once, like when it cuts down at the end of the pre-chorus. Yeah. Um, and then when he goes into the chorus, he does like a big jump up to Royal, possibly an octave. That's kind of his like range thing. So he does get yeah. to show off his range a little bit more distinctly in this. And that's yeah, that's one like signature metal, and that's the only thing I remember like quite clearly from his "Harder, Better, Faster" cover is when he hit a high note one time, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Yeah, like I think that sounds it is here is very cool. It's just it didn't last very long in that because he had to go sing so fast. Yeah, harder, better, faster, like and like you don't get that uh, as much, but this you get to hear you get to hear the high note. Uh, and there is like extra tracks here doing the I rule, I rule, I rule, some echoes and stuff going on. They're mixed a little low. The synth sound, like it's the back of vocal part. Yeah. So yeah, I think it also happens in the pre-chorus, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like, boom, boom, like synth sound after Royal. So instead of yeah, saying, yeah, 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 yeah. So the parts there, it's just a little different. A little different. There is also some actual vocals, right. but yeah, that it does. Yeah, it, it kind of all mixes together, so it's hard to hard to parse out. But you can kind of get that vocal a bit, and yeah, the, uh, the yeah a bit too. And they might be the same. Like it might be like a sample being played by a synthesizer. Or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> something like that. Um, and then again between verses, uh, kind of fades back to yeah to start stuff. Um. Other bring strings in to double the vocals in the second verse. That's right, along with the piano, because the piano doesn't leave. Yeah, <laughs> and then there is some buzzy synth sort of at the bottom of yeah, the track. Yeah, it, it brings the synthesizer in to play that backbeat bass synth part that does play in the original. Uh, but this is like more growly. It's kind of in like fart range. Yeah, so there's that that kind of sound <laughs> to it. Uh, a little more melodic, maybe. A but, melodic uh, fart. You know, you know, we, we all know the music terms here, Alex. Melodic, melodic fart, yeah. It's kind of like, bap, bap. I can't sing that. Uh, uh, farted, Alex. You farted. Farted. I, I was just, yeah, just let me work up. Ah, never happens when you need it. <sighs> and uh, other than that, it's, um, again, still kind of like this metal adjacent. Still like metal, but it's not as like hard as some other metal we've done. It's more yeah, because like, it's not quite hitting that. It's more on the like soaring metal, that, like depth of metal where there's yeah. like a big low end section. It's still very minimalist, right? Right, right, right. And it, it's he like does, garage metal. Uh, I guess so. Garage metal. It's not like unpolished or anything. No, but in in terms of like how many instruments he can fit in there. Oh yeah, it's not like symphonic metal. Yeah. Although it might fit with that. Anyway, we won't get into that too much because, like, his voice could probably fit with that. Oh, um, for sure. But uh, the middle eight. So going to middle eight, as uh, they do like a guitar solo part. Yep. And he still does his singing, but there's kind of like a guitar doing guitar things. It's not like super fast or anything. No, it's it's yeah, it's it's pretty slow until. Like, even the shredding it does at the end isn't, like, crazy fast. And, like, that's it. Like, they do another chorus, and it kind of ends like the original. Very yeah, suddenly. Yeah, piano and vocals at the end. That, that piano sticks around yeah. throughout. Um, so I thought it was good, because, you know, it, it gave him more of a chance to show off his range compared to, um, compared to that Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger cover. Yeah, definitely a better showing for him on, on this. <laughs> oh, also, I forgot to mention. So sec leading into the second pre-chorus, when he sings the, the last line, Mm -hmm. We are, um, yeah, we never came from money. 
he like jumps yeah. way up and we never came from money like yeah he screams it yeah uh, so there's like really those two lines where he does his high notes and that's royals in the in the chorus and then money in the chorus leading into the second yeah, pre-chorus yeah, yeah. um but he doesn't yeah, change a whole lot between sections um it's mostly follows kind of the lead of the original yeah it adds in some extra instruments but not doing anything extra in the yeah. second verse and that's like really it there's a couple of guitar like lead-ups that he does like he does does it does an ascending pattern i feel like a little run together like and then yeah like into the next measure um probably chorus that's probably along with it will never be like like fine-tuning to metal yeah, not like overly ornamented metal, not like overly intense metal even. It's fairly straightforward, I think. Yeah. Um, but also, that's not necessarily, I say straightforward, but since the original is like so um, uh, minimalist, uh, it can be difficult to, to stick, keep that. You know? Yeah. Like it can be tempting to just add a whole bunch of extra stuff. When, especially sure. when mean, you're changing like, it to metal and you're like no more double kicks so like yeah. that's that's probably a good instinct to not yeah so there's, not there's good much. restraint on this like yeah. yeah the drum's not like it's doing technically more it has like a kind of simple beat rather than just that bass drum but it's it's not out of control yeah yeah that's a good showing from pelicade but now we're going to talk about natty bong in 2014 Natty Bong. So Natty Bong's allegedly an up-and-coming reggae artist. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, reggae and lounge, Alex. How dare oh, you? Reggae lounge. Um, Natty Bong has done some songs for the like vintage reggae cafe albums, and we, those come up every once in a while. Way back, yeah. forget lucky. We talked about vintage reggae cafe for another uh, another Daft Punk tie-in. Yeah, we did another another one of their albums came up. Yeah, I don't think, I think it was did. volume two. I don't remember. But we did do it. But they're focus. like general compilations, so it wasn't a Natty Bong song. No. Um Natty Bong does a lot of covers. Uh this is Reggae, obviously. It's a reggae version. Um yeah. it uh changes up the instruments so like the drums are like a bass and like that snare click yeah um, instead of the snaps so like moves the instruments towards like a more reggae direction and then the synth sound i think it's still a synth but it's like a marimba sound that comes in in the pre-chorus yeah 100 percent. you're right um, and then later on once we get to the chorus finally the skank actually plays and then that sticks around yeah um the other thing the vocals really do sound lord style um yeah they do they're definitely trying to eat the eat that lord style yeah which maybe i mean i guess it's the same year obviously it's a pretty influential style i think there was some other comments about how like technically lana del rey came first and like kind of did a similar thing but as i said Usually these things don't come from one source. They come from uh, a change in attitude. 
which happens over time. Now, I just want to mention here the other uh, Vintage Reggae Cafe cover we've talked about was on our Take On Me episode with General Ooh. Sound Boy. Also a long time ago. Also a long time ago. Shout out to Kalen Lee. Shout out to Kalen Lee, who is not. Um, not in the studio, not, in not the on studio, mic, not in the country. Not in the country. I'm a little unclear on what country he's in at the moment. Tell you which country it is in Canada. Yeah. But that we did an episode with him that one time. Um, yeah. What else happens uh, later on? So it gets, gets him like deep, deep bass and like that clicky sound. Um, and then once you get the skank, you really get a more reggae feel. Um, obviously, the slow tempo also um, lends itself well to the reggae style. Like they didn't need to slow it down or anything. Yeah, they do manage to find an extra minute of material in here somehow. They do. I can't. Maybe is it that much slower? I don't think it is. I don't know. It's um, I don't know what it is. Yeah, you got that marimba going. Yeah. Um, um I'm trying to like. Is there a solo? I think the outro is very long. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I want to note that this uh, this pre-chorus section, just that dum 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 could be Donkey Kong Country music if you like an early <laughs> level. Music. It's more like kind of ambient sounding with those like Andrew. Yeah, like a like a menu maybe. And well, later on, um, in the chorus, I think. Uh, no, hang on, the first pre-chorus. Um, I can't find the note. They they add a sitar. Yeah. Is that the second verse? Um, I've written down yeah. second pre-chorus, but it's possible. Second, it oh, sec- I think it's the second verse. Alex. Um, I check your privilege. Oh no, no, you're right. Because there's there's a slide guitar that comes in in the second pre-chorus. Yeah. Um, which kind of it and the sitar kind of like weave in and out of each other. Which is yeah. a pretty cool effect because they both got this like sort of ethereal sound where where it's not like these distinct um, frequencies, you know, like the guitar is sliding and the sitar, everything is kind of blending together. So that's kind yeah. of a cool texture they create together. Always makes me think of the more like psychedelic Beatles tracks. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think is it. I'm trying to remember. One of the earliest songs that is like considered world music was just like mm. the Beatles wanted to use a sitar. <laughs> I, th- I think it was a sitar. Right. I think it was like way back in Rubber Soul. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember the specific song. It's like Norwegian Wood or Nowhere Man. Or Norwegian like Wood. Yeah, I believe Norwegian Wood. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it sounds like they say Hyrule instead of I It does sound like they say Hyrule quite a bit because i also wrote that down um <laughs> uh what else what else are they, a lot what of double tracking happens? a lot of echoes a lot of vocal yeah not on the verse like, actually on the verse they come back to single track yeah um but yeah but, double track for uh, the rest of it um the middle eight changes a little bit doesn't say caught up in your love affair mm-hmm. um and then like the outro lasts a really long time with sort of some like ad lib like this thing like we'll never be royal let me be your ruler and baby i'll rule lines yeah 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 um so the outro that's i think the extra length because the outro starts at like three minutes in and this is like four thirteen. So yeah i think that is it's kind of like gives you extra time like it's an extra dancing time 
I think. Yeah, I suppose so. Because you're right, it's just about beat for beat with the original until that point. Like all they really needed to do is hit the hit the chorus one more time and drop out on the final line, but then instead they do this outro. Keep it rolling. You get that beat, pretty steady beat, and then later on it cuts down to just marimba and slide guitar right at the end, and then that's kind of about it. Yeah. Oh, it also cuts out. It doesn't do the last chorus, so they actually cut stuff out. Like, um, it does the um the middle eight and then that goes into a solo on the sitar mm-hmm. and then no chorus just outro yeah and they don't do the the final line out they just end on some rhythm yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's this one i'm glad somebody did a reggae version just because i i thought the the synth on the backbeat sounded reggae on the original Beyond yes. that, I don't, I'm not crazy about this version. I don't hate it either. It's um, fine. I think like the coolest part, I think, is that sitar slide guitar combo. Yeah, I agree um, with that. That's got a that's got a cool vibe. Um, it's not super standout other than that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I I didn't say this. Um, what they do in the last chorus, they only sing some lines. So they sing "We'll Never Be Royal." They sing "Let Me Be a Ruler" and "Baby I'll Rule." At the time, they would sing it if they were singing a chorus, but none of the lines in between. Right. Just gotcha. to be clear. Well. Yeah. And then the rest very clear. Just um, so people understand me, which is the most important thing. Oh Lord. Please don't let me be misunderstood. A song is that, addressing is that a Lord, lyric? like forty years before she was born. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know that song? Um I, I'm not I can't think of what it is just based on. I don't know. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. No. It's in like probably ten Quentin Tarantino films. It's by the animals. Don't let me be misunderstood. Oh, it is it's just called Please Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Yeah. Um I gotta catch up on my uh Tarantino flicks. Apparently. Um, I just watched uh, not te- kind of a Tarantino flick. I watched True Romance the other week. Have you he seen that one? He wrote that, right? Yeah, he that wrote that, it? but it's not a, it's not directorially no, his. I, it's... I haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. That's good. Not we bad. were watching Tarantino movies and then uh, we stopped. I think you moved. <laughs> yeah, that probably. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I mean, not that I was ever a key part yeah, of that, but yeah. no, definitely not. Um, we also like we probably just fell off generally, but you also moved. Yeah. We did watch I'm few. not trying to like place blame on you or anything, but it was definitely my fault. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not trying to blame you. I'm just saying it was your fault. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, let's talk about Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine yes. in 2015. Richard Cheese. There and will never be a royals. Don't run in our blood. That kind of luck's just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be your ruler. You can call me Queen Bee, and I'll rule. So Richard Cheese, um, I'm actually surprised we've never talked about Richard Cheese before. Cause yeah, it feels like it should have come up. He does covers of songs in this sort of like big band lounge jazz style. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's big band per se, but um, it's definitely um, like upbeat jazz. Yeah, and also drawing on sort of like Frank Sinatra and other, other crooners of that era. Yes, definitely like crooner sound. Um, obviously, it's a little tongue in cheek right off the bat if I tell you uh, it's by Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. Uh, Lounge Against the Machine is obviously a joke, and his name is Dick Cheese. So, like, they're they're <laughs> they're having a little bit. They're having a having a giggle. Yeah, 
Um, so the character Richard Cheese was developed by actor-comedian-singer Mark Jonathan Davis, who was a producer on... I'm assuming it's pronounced Croc FM, K-R-O-Q-F-M in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think um, that's just like the... the That's like the... the I'm trying to remember what they called. Like, that's the code for their yeah, frequency, Yeah, like the, the right? call sign or whatever you want yeah. to fucking call it. Like, that is the... Yeah, and they've just... So they might even just call it K-R-O-Q. They might as well. So anyway. he... Uh, Davis on that... Sh- on, on the Kevin and Bean morning show, which was a very popular radio show until maybe like five years ago, I want to say, it got canceled. Um, he portrayed a character called Paul, the 55-year-old intern. And Paul recorded a single called Paul on 45, which was a, a medley of swing and bid band versions of songs that were playing on KROQ at the time. And it was, it was met with raucous applause, I assume. And then he started a whole thing. Yeah, and so this is an extension of that. So he's been doing it for quite some time. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, he's, he's in, he's like a, you know, sort of in the same vein as Weird Al, just not as popular. Right, and a little more... Well, maybe that's not fair to say. I guess Weird Al covers things in their original style. So, like, mm-hmm. he, he plays a lot of different styles, which is pretty impressive, the way he's able to sort of uh, manage that. But this brings everything into a different style. Obviously, lounge music. That's right, yeah. Where Weird Al does the content, like, lyrical content changes... This is more focused on the like spiritual content, music. the musical content. So, um, yeah. So like it opens with like a whole piano solo, like piano solo. Yeah. Part. It's quite a bit sped up, um, as well. Like I said, more yeah, there upbeat, is a much more driving more rhythm in this jazzy. one. This is, it comes in at two twenty one, so we lop a minute off. Yeah, they really. I mean, other things. There's a walking bass line. That's important. Yeah. Um, like jazz drums yeah horns too so like the horns in the intro come in they do like a um basically the opening line yeah diamond in the flash line uh and of course classic jazz drums on the cymbal yeah um and then yeah he has a real like crooner sound I've um, never seen a diamond in the flesh. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then once we get to that point, kind of this more, I said big band style, but again, it's probably like lounge jazz style. I think I've read big band not. in association okay. with him too. I, n- I never I know. I'm like, yeah. is, is the band big enough? Too big? <laughs> I don't know. It's not a huge band. I don't think. Not a huge band. They're big uh, though. They're, they're big in Japan. It's, big uh, band? Yeah, so he does. Uh, it's there's a lot of a lot of running on this. Like he moves very quick, and I think where it plays right. strongly is in the pre-chorus where he lists. Oh the yes, he kind of turns the list into more like a rhythmic thing. Brings it right into that genre and makes yeah. it exactly how it should sound. It's great. Yeah, it's it's a good uh, change. It's a mm-hmm. like it's a very solid um like transition into this other genre. It's not like totally out there or anything, but like it's definitely very solid and very polished. Yeah. And in the same way that this can be translated into a Bruce Springsteen song very easily, there's something about this crooner style where it's a guy with a massive band singing about how he's not doing that great despite the fact that he's like probably selling out <laughs> right. shows and stuff that right. that really plays well. Like, again, it, it could be of this era, if not for many of the modern references. Yeah, well, and also, 
part of like that era of music and some of those performers was like there was this aspect of like this sort of sterilization of what was black american music so it's, oh, he's yeah. like singing about a song that sounds like it's about poor people but he's not really about like he's not poor or anything he's just singing the song kind of has that aspect to it too hey yeah so interesting like historically um naturally he that's not what's happening here richard cheese isn't doing that just no but doing what he does but it sort of like has yeah has that feeling like it, it's almost yeah, like you a, put it in again like era, it's like this, it's this like a tongue-in-cheek to reference time. yeah to something um what else goes on what's cool what's cool in this song um so that baseline walking is for most of it until we hit the chorus right uh, then it switches to sort of just a three note uh kind of rhythm yeah where it's kind of um like it's three, but it's splitting four beats, so it's sort of um the first two are a bit longer. Like yeah. it's bum 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 bum. That sound. Yeah, hundred percent. Um and um, then the horns mm, play along with the singing, but then they kind of play descending patterns like between lines and stuff. That it it kind of adds to the like speed of it, you know, it doesn't let up. Yeah. The horns really accent a lot of parts of this. Yeah, it's hard for horns to not accent just anything they do. <laughs> I know. I, well, I guess if you use them too much, then they're just the showpiece, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, it kind of they kind of do a solo section, like yeah, in like the I guess middle eight part. That's kind of a weird. There's a line. He cuts out some words. I don't necessarily know why. It doesn't like make sense or anything. He says he draws out luck, says that kind of lux, and then mm. doesn't say kind of like just ain't for us. We crave a. He just says that kind of lux and then comes back in on different kind of buzz. I, I don't know why. He just cuts out some words. Huh. Yeah. That's odd. Anyway, just an observation. Um and yeah, they kind of cut, go back into the the intro bit, and like the the horns end it very like um, definitively. Yeah, that's your that's your Richard Cheese version. Yeah, Fun. I enjoyed this one. I thought yeah. it was good. Faster, a bit abridged, um, quite short uh, compared to the other ones. But yeah, really, like I said, solid, polished version in a different style. That's right. Now, Alex, I lied when I said you had everything in order here. Obadiah Parker comes Did before Did I even O-Tech. organize these? It doesn't look like it. They were all, it was all very close, though, so don't beat yourself up. <laughs> I, I thought I did, um, but I guess I must not have. Okay. I, I'm, this is just what I found in my research. Sometimes these dates are, especially, it's, we're talking a year difference here. It could yeah. be. Anyway. You know, one way or the other. Sometimes yeah, Spotify was mm. something different. Doesn't matter why it's that way, but we're going to talk about Obadiah Parker first. 2015. Um, apparently has a viral Hey Ya video. Yeah, yeah you, you don't know the viral Hey Ya one? The acoustic one? Maybe. I don't remember it. It's, it was so big when it came out. I remember okay. that. I was, See, because I was like, oh, 
It's a viral sensation, is it? Like reading the Wikipedia page? Like, I don't remember it. I remember it. Cause, I and it would have been like when we were in high school. And people were like, oh my god, the acoustic version of Hey Ya really makes you think about the lyrics. I'm like, what? Oh, wait, what year was this? Uh, probably like, I want to say 09. Man. Because, like, I have just having this memory of hearing someone being like, and then he hits the guitar for the rhythm. <laughs> Let me see here. So it's on his Wikipedia. In 2006, uh, he performed a cover of it, Outcast Hey Ya. I think I might have heard someone describe this in a yeah. room one time in high school. Uh, he probably did. And it's, um, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it. But this is so Matt Weddle, who I, was in a band, a three person band called Ovidiah Parker. Uh, they broke up. Matt retained the name, and he does covers through this. But yeah, he is the Hey Ya acoustic cover guy. That's his big claim to fame. Okay, I did not hear someone describing this, but anyway. Okay. Um. Um. So this is. It starts out with a single horn doing a. I guess a chord progression. Is it the chord progression of the original? Maybe. It's doing just a little little sax riff. Yeah, I don't just I didn't like check if it was taken from the original. I didn't notice. Well, it's fucking Alex. What do I pay you for? Um, just to forget to do things. Most literally nothing because I don't pay you at all. (laughs) And, you know, all that stuff. Um, Yeah. So we start with that horn. He comes in with the vocals. Um, and so the verse, I'm mean, yeah, the, yeah, the verse is just dude singing and horn going. Yeah. There's the saxophone and then like his acoustic guitar. Um, yeah, the acoustic guitar comes in on the pre-course, doesn't it? Is it there at the start? Oh, that's right. It doesn't come in right away. Yeah. Pre-course. Um, and the sax kind of plays, it's like similar riff, but it, like it changes it up a bit. Um, this one I thought like overall kind of a little more like generic and this like modern pop sound i didn't think it was bad but I, it didn't really have a very unique sound to it that said i, uh... I applaud the saxophone focus and i applaud the, I, I like the idea of starting with the saxophone lick at the start that it kind of becomes a focal point for the rest of the song i don't mm-hmm. think the lick itself is that good and they could have worked on that a bit. But I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think this song's about the journey of the saxophone more than it is anything else, isn't it? Because it changes up in the pre-chorus, and we go like, oh, let's do something a little different now. Yeah. Like, yeah, not that that great, but it is something. Yeah, and then it, does something it is different in the chorus. Saxophone. And then, like, during the verse, it drops down low. Like, that's mm-hmm. where the interest is coming from. It's, uh, yeah, this one is about the saxophone, and it was a choice, but I don't think it paid off in the end. You're right. It needed something else. It either needed to be refined or have other instruments supporting it. Yeah, and uh, I think, at least for me, like, the rest of it isn't something I like that much. Like, he does some, like, ad-libs where he goes, like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I don't yeah, even know if that's what he it's says. Exactly it's exactly what you'd stuff, expect from the Hey Ya acoustic guy. That interesting. It's generic pop dude vocals. Yeah. Like it's like he sings fine. It's not it's not compelling anything. <laughs> he sounds to me. fine, the guitar's fine, everything is fine, and yeah, it wasn't. But still didn't 
like it that much. Yeah. Oh, he does a vocal breakdown with some fucking skeeby doo almost scat shit. I hated that. Lots of like ad living and stuff. Yeah. That was that was improvised. Can you believe it? I can't. You had to have written that beforehand. There's no way, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, overall, not crazy about it. Right at the end, it picks out a chord on the guitar. And That's right. I don't know. I, I didn't really like the chord that he used. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't. Like, that stood out to me for some reason. Maybe that's, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, well, it, it stands out because I think it's not of the piece he was performing. It just kind of like feels like exactly. an ending. It's it's like he borrowed something from country. It was like, you know, sometimes or like blues, like sometimes they do a little guitar chord outline. Yeah. In any at case. At the end. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about this Makes one. Makes some good decisions, but overall doesn't really do much for me. Speaking of a good decision, we're gonna talk about OTEP in twenty Heavy um, metal band. They've been around for like 20 years. Yeah. Led by their namesake, Otep right. Shamaya, who Shemaya. is the, the, the front person. Um, the singer of the vocals. Yeah. Oh, uh, also, they, they, yeah. they were described, depending on which Wikipedia page you look at, as metal and new metal. That's right. Um, I don't necessarily know how to tell the difference. So let's think of metal as an umbrella term. With new metal being a part of metal, right? True. Because new metal, so yeah. so yeah, and it's always possible okay. that maybe they're primarily new metal. They have some songs that are more metal. The same way yeah. you can have something I guess that's primarily fair. one thing. Can you call something? Fucking... Is it possible to be metal without being part of a subgenre? I don't know if you can just be straight metal. I think even then you'd be subgenre as like classic metal or something like that. Yeah, I guess so. If it's like developmental, like uh, Black Sabbath or something. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, there's some blues there that you might be able to call yeah, out. Yeah, even know. with Black Sabbath, you might be like, well, this one's more hard rock, or this one's more, yeah, yeah blues. In any well, case. Just, I don't know why it is that metal people, and maybe we're just on the outside looking in, but they, they seem to have their genres pretty, their subgenres yeah, all I, lined I, I up think, in neat I rows. think metal is known for, like, having a, like, really uh, being into the, like, taxonomy of genre. Um, yeah, as a genre and group subgenres, they seem to have a good time with it. So I just yeah, yeah there's just a lot, and I don't know anything about it. Yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's not for me to know. I, like not that long that ago, learned what hardcore meant, which isn't really metal, but anyway, or I it's guess adjacent. it kind of is. So Otep Shamaya um, shares a similar story to Lord, and is apparently why she found some connection with this song. She said, "I was a poor kid who lived in poor neighborhoods." So there was violence in the home and violence outside the home. I didn't see any rock stars driving around our neighborhood in fancy sports cars with big boob bikini chicks. I didn't see that. I didn't see any rappers rolling around in Cadillacs with big gold chains. None of that was happening in my neighborhood. We were poor and hungry and hoping to keep the lights on. She wrote that song about her friends and how it is okay that we're not those people. It's okay to celebrate who we are and what we're going through and what we hope to escape because nobody should want to stay poor. That's... There's a lot more to that quote. I'm going to end it there because that's a, a good spot. Yeah, well, it sounds like it didn't take her 40 minutes to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she seems to sum it up pretty quickly. Um, 
Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, I'm in the wrong place. Hang on, this is a metal version, obviously. Yes. Um, so it's more like uh, guitar chugging and stuff. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's much like more a, a more bitch version of what uh, well. Pelicay put out. Yeah, gritty. Instrumentally, yeah. Yeah, gritty sounding for the one part, but also like her voice is very like screamy or growly. Yeah, and a lot of processing, a lot of effects going on it. It's meant to sound all spooky. A lot of echo on each line. Yes, definitely a lot of echo. Like right at the start, the voice comes in, uh, sort of fades in, and it's very filtered right at for like that first verse. Um, and it sort of like there's a lot of like echoes floating around. Like mm-hmm. there's several repeats, and then you'll hear yeah, so it'll hit your left the side thing. of the headphones, then your right side. Um, and there's a few. There's a few parts of the song, particularly in the pre-chorus, but it happens like on the torn up town line as well. When she does the like growling singing, the inflection is, it's very like inflected up at the end. Yeah. She sounds almost like confused or questioning something. Yeah. But But then then also her tone is more menacing. Who's tripping in the bathroom? Like (laughs) (laughs) Tripping in the bathroom? Bloodstains? Ball cap? Um... So like, I guess that's just kind of how you make those sounds. But as an outside observer, it's a little funny to me. It is a little funny. Um, it's interesting when we get to the chorus that it's full on like screaming vocals, like a growly yes. scream, and with like some backups. Someone else is growling on Royals and Ruler. Yeah, Ruler. Um. She also, she does two layers on the vocals, and it's kind of two... Uh, I'm back on the pre-chorus, sorry. Yeah, go um, ahead. So the first one, um, I would say the main one, because I noticed it more, it's kind of that more like monotone, growly sound. Yeah. Um, and then there's something in the background that's actually following the melody of the original song, so that melody's still in there. Right, it is your sing song. You want to say, which still has like a growl to it. There's a lot of like grit in this one. Yeah, very gritty. Uh, a lot of emphasis on distortion and screaming and sort of that echoey, spooky soundscape. Yeah. Um. Yeah, with a lot of that echo, and like that's kind of that's what it does for the song. Like, a, a, are there any big notable things? Um, um no, they're kind of intensifies. I think the way she sings throughout, mm-hmm. but it's not like a ton new of new instruments come in or anything. No, um, uh, we get a bridge with a guitar doing like a little solo type thing. Yeah, That's your middle eight rather. Yeah, definitely feels more dark in that middle eight, like for the like whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It's consistent. But yeah, other than that, like it's another chorus and then it's out. Yeah, it's it's consistent. It's pretty close. It's like 17 seconds longer than the original. And that's partially just because it does a smaller instrumental intro, whereas the original just cuts straight into it. Sorry, uh, I, I totally I totally zoned out. I, I didn't hear the last thing you said. Well, it's, it has an instrumental intro, whereas the original oh. does not. Okay, yeah. Because it goes, dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. It does that twice. Right, and then... it doesn't come right in on the vocals. Um. Sorry, did I interrupt you? No. Because I just, uh, I just wanted to agree like, with you. I just wanted to agree. Yeah, other than that, it ends on the same 
No, let me let me live that fantasy. Yeah, well, with kind of because they have the echo, so it lets it like it echoes. All right, fantasy, fantasy, fantasy. Um, fantasy. Uh, I like the the grittier guitar tones comparing it to yeah. Pelike, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like Pelike is clearly a talented singer, but some of the like guitar tones sound a little sterile to me. Yeah, it was a bit demo. Yeah, like it's it's more his style, I guess. I'm a little lukewarm on it. That's all. But like mm. this really has that like grit and edge. Yeah, I think instrumentally and obviously reading that quote about Otep's perspective and being like, whereas Royals by Lord is about being suburban, uh, Royals by Otep is about, you know, being a step below that and kind of being out in the projects or wherever in the low income part of town. Yeah, especially if you're talking about like not, you know, being hungry. Mm -hmm. Probably not Lord's background, as far as I know. Yeah, I do not think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this was a good take. Let's talk about Body Assad in 2020. So, like, I saw a video of her saying her name. Hang on. But just said... It's well. like... Anyway, I'm trying to I- imitate what she just said in this video. I like, just said, uh, yeah, like there's like a J sound. I don't know. I, I don't know Portuguese. Mm-hmm. I don't know Portuguese sounds. She's Brazilian. Yeah, she's Brazilian. Um, and she does. She's a singer, songwriter, percussionist, guitarist, and jazz and world beat. Yes, in particular, plays the classical guitar, which is what she mm. plays in this. Um, which is why, like right at the start. It comes in with like guitar, kind of like finger picking. And it's very odd. Like when I first heard it, I was like, what is this strumming pattern? It, it, it has this kind of disjointed feel to it. Right. Um, it doesn't last too long. She plays it through, I think, uh, the verse and the pre chorus and then changes in the chorus because there's a few different style, uh, like patterns she plays. That's really mm-hmm. like her different parts of the song. So, like, the intro through the first pre-chorus is that weird off-kilter pattern, and then there's another one that plays in um, all the choruses, which kind of has a jump up at the end. That's uh, right. The second verse has kind of a more, I would say, melodious, more like traditionally melodious um, pattern, which basically means you can hum it more easily. Um, mm-hmm. And then that also plays in the middle eight. And then there's a variation on that that plays in the second pre-chorus. And then there's another pattern that's more like an arpeggio for the outro. There's kind of like five, four or five, depending on how you... I, yeah, five. Five different patterns she plays throughout the song. Yeah, and that's like, the, it's guitar and her vocals. That's all there is on this, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that guitar does start you off on a strange area. We're like, wow, this is a, not a pattern I'm used to. Yeah, it's an odd, definitely, especially compared to, like, pick strumming type pattern. Like, mm-hmm. it should be very difficult to do with that. Um, yeah, I think it's some good, like, it's not what we would find in a traditional acoustic cover in terms of guitar playing. No, so it comes I, off I think much it's much more, much interesting. more interesting. Yeah, because because... I don't know if in the context of Brazilian music it is because, but because we don't get that much exposure to it, 
I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, normally I don't always like just a person with a with a guitar strumming, but it's just not a person with a guitar strumming because she's playing classical guitar. It's like a completely yeah. different instrument. Yeah, so it is it is pretty rich in terms of its playing in the back. Um, she's got a nice singing voice. She's playing it pretty low throughout here. There's not a lot of big, like vocal punches or anything like that. Yeah, it's kind of a softer singing style, the kind of thing I mean you get from a lot of bossa nova type music. Right? Yeah. Also Brazilian style. Um, so it's definitely like in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, my big complaint, obviously, is the scat that appears in this version. <laughs> she does do a little <laughs> bit of that. Um, mostly at the end, I think, like at the beginning and the end. Yeah, she bookends this with scat. That uh, yeah. Scatting or vocal improvisation or whatever the yeah. term would be for it. Um, and then at the end, in particular, kind of follows along with the guitar pattern she's playing, which, as I mentioned, is kind of an arpeggio sound. Yeah, that's right. But there's some like pretty, pretty nice, uh, pleasant, pretty uh, sounds, particularly in the more melodious sections. She has a little chuckle somewhere in there. I don't know if it's right at the end or just before it. It's right at the end or just before it. I didn't write it down. Chuckle somewhere. Hey, she's having fun. Yeah, it's a a different acoustic cover. It doesn't reach incredible heights of acoustic cover, but it's quite a pleasant listen, like you said. Yeah, very pleasant. That was one to my parents. Yeah, there you go. They'd like it. The kind of cover you bring home to your parents. Exactly. Uh, with that, we're going to break this down in our three categories. The worst version, the best version, and the version, um, the most royal version. There was a, a royal something happening, and they had to play a version of royals for some reason. Which version would they play? Or should they play? Alex, what is the worst version of this, and why is it Obadiah Parker? Why is it Obadiah Parker? Um, or is it Pelican? Is it Obadiah Parker? I would put Obadiah Parker and Pelike around the same level. So I would I would tend to agree with you. Um I think the difference for me is at Obadiah um Parker 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 approaches something I think has some good ideas. Mm. Um I think the saxophone could have really been a great thing if it had been implemented a little differently. So I think he gets some points for that. Um, I think I gotta give it to Pelike. Mm. Um, I didn't think it was bad, though. Um, it was just uh, a little less notable. That's all. That's fair. Um, I think I think that saxophone would be better implemented on not a cover of Royals. Uh, you may I think, have a good point there. <laughs> I, I think Obadiah Parker made a move. It was the wrong move, and and part of this is just my own bias. Hearing Pelike on this versus when we heard him on the the Daft Punk episode was just like, oh, this is an improvement. I was like, hey, he's got some good things going on here. Whereas with Obadiah Parker, it's like, oh, he's the acoustic hey guy, and here's him peddling his same bullshit. And so it's it's just on a personal level, 
some of the story behind it makes me less enthused about Obadiah Parker, and that's why I'm giving him worst. That's fair. That's fair. I still think they're like pretty close. I would I would agree to that 100%. But Alex, more importantly, who's the best? Who is the best? There were a couple I like. Hmm. But like, which did, did any of them like blow my socks off? I don't want to just give it to Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> that's like that's like too much, right? Um, I mean, you can you can do whatever you want. It's it's our rules here, buddy. I'm giving it to Bruce Springsteen if you want. Like, Fuck it. it, I'm gonna go right now. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Springsteen, jump ahead. Great cover. Uh, I mean, it's it's a, a minimalist fucking. He's got a guitar. He's got a harmonica. He he does some good lyrical changes that address some of the things we talked about and give you yeah. give you a little food for thought. Uh, it's the, the harmonica is fun. The guitar is fun. Him singing this is fun. And it's good, and it sounds good. It does do I it like well. Bruce Springsteen. It's He's King B, best version. I'm like B trying to best. I'm like trying to think of like I didn't want to just give it to Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, what? He can't I just can't imagine giving it to the other ones though. <laughs> I've got to give it. I've, I've got to give it to Bruce Springsteen. I, I, I guess I don't want to just give it to Bruce Springsteen because he's Bruce Springsteen, but I think this version deserves it for more than that. Hell yeah. I agree. So that's what I'm going with. There you have it. Bruce Springsteen, best version. King B. Alex! Royalty! Royalty. Right, you're the DJ for the Royal oh. something. Whatever the next Royal event is, you yeah. gotta play Royals, but the most Royal version of it. This is, I mean, I think uh, the last one, Bajiasad, that I think that would, in like Royal Court, playing mm. the like classical guitar, that's, that would fit the best, I think. Like, I always heard, I don't know how true this is, but like, supposedly guitars existed for a while, but playing them in the like common style now with like a pick strumming kind of thing, that was like hmm. the lame peasant way of playing them. The really, the, the, the wealthy people, they played it classically, you know? Uh -huh. So, I think that's what I'm giving it to. Thank you. That's a good call. I'm going to give it to Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine, because it's like, it evokes the 50s, would also which I think the, the royal family would like, because that's when racism was still very cool. So it was like, to now it's mostly okay. uncool. Mostly, mostly, mostly. Uncool. That's and that's me, you know, wishful thinking. Mostly yeah. uncool. It, like, it it varies day to day. It varies day to day. It's uh, it's no longer quite as in vogue as it used to be. Yeah, we're we're working on it. We're working on it. So I think this would make them smile. They'd be like, oh, I remember when you could be more racist. And then that's I guess that's what I want to do is make old racists smile at this one. I don't know. I've lost the plot here. <laughs> fuck racism that's our final verdicts you got a similar opinion different opinion want to talk about a version we didn't talk about you can hit us up on twitter hashtag cover me pod at jake the cressy at some alex wise guy tell us your thoughts tell us your feelings you can also email us at cover me pod at gmail.com send us your comments questions concerns recommendations for future episodes and be sure to rate and review us we're on spotify we're on stitcher we're on google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app Tell us, just, you know, say, hey, this is a great one. Tell your friends about us. We don't have an advertising budget. Tell everyone you know about Cover Me. That's it for the main segment. We got a 
bonus segment in which I Alex ask which I ask Alex a, a predetermined question. And that question is, Alex, if you could be the king of a nation for one day, even if that nation doesn't regularly have a king now, what nation would it be and what would you do with your newfound powers? Oh, I don't want uh powers. Um I don't trust myself to make good decisions. Okay. Uh it's a lot of responsibility. So if I uh if I had to pick one nation, um I think it would probably have to be the the rider nation. Um which which is just what Saskatchewan Rough Riders fans call themselves. <laughs> um because I like the color green. And um I don't think I would have any actual power or be able to right. do anything. People so, would just be kind of fond of you for like a day. Yeah, my crown would be a watermelon, because they do that. Hell yeah. Um and uh yeah. I, I think that would be fine. I there would be a lot of people I could like interact with people maybe like hey i'm your king they'd be like sweet let's watch football and be like i'm not that into football but sure probably cold (laughs) football no thanks (laughs) no thank you i'm actually not that into football i'm just your king um so that's what i pick they don't normally have a king did you know that i actually don't know if that's true they might have a king i don't know dog they probably don't i gotta they have a general manager okay well yeah Everybody's got to have GM. Do you have do you have a nation you would like to uh, usurp briefly? Hell yeah, briefly. I and it's like likely you. I wouldn't do anything real with my power, but I would pick an actual nation. I'd do Italy, bro, and just get fucking people to make me pasta. I'd drink some fucking wine, have a pizza, maybe. You know, I just eat for a fucking day and get hammered. Really good food and wine. Not a bad move. Not a bad so, move. Like, what else am I going to get out of a day? Also, the weather's so not... much nicer in Italy compared to Saskatchewan. Oh, Jeez. fuck yeah. Oh, you fuck fucked up, up, Alex. It's like fucking winter in Saskatchewan I, I just, 11 I, months I'm of the year. I'm just trying to avoid responsibility. Yeah, fair enough. They'd be upset with me the next day. They'd be like, king for a day only eats. <laughs> this, this dude sucks. sucks. Like, I guess I'm deposed now, but it doesn't matter because you're not the king anymore. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I had a good run. I did everything I could within I mean, my power. What's the king going to do in one day? I'm sure there are days where all the king of something does is eat. Sometimes. Right? Sometimes. Like, sometimes sure that's, that's all I do in, in history, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let us know what your royal choice would be. Hashtag royal choice on Twitter. That's it for this episode of Cover Me. And as we always say, let me be your ruler. You can call me Cover Me.